Thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeupc.org. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 this morning. I'm bringing you a good Valentine's scripture reference, ladies. There ought to be ladies run the aisles when I read these verses. <clears throat> Amen. If it's really good, I might read it twice. We'll take another offering up, sisters. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 25. Husbands, love your wives. And again, I say, husbands, love your wives. And I'm waiting on the offering to start. (laughs) Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Sanctify and cleanse by the washing of the water of the word. Verse 27. For this reason, that he might present it to himself a glorious church. Can you say that with me? A glorious church. Not having spot, nor wrinkle, nor any such thing. No spot, no wrinkle, nor any such things. But that the church would be holy and without blemish. Amen. This morning, my thought to you is any such things, spots, wrinkles, and any such things. Amen. You may be seated. Not certain if this is a sermon or a lesson, but I do know it's a message from my heart today. Jesus Christ is coming back. I know that we're so familiar with that concept, but Jesus Christ is coming back. There is a rapture. There is an end time. And the Lord will split the eastern sky and he will return for a church that is ready. There is a place that you and I will find ourselves as a a season of time called eternity. In all reality, we already are involved in eternity because it's just the ongoing uh, time that will last forever. And we're already a part of that. But I absolutely want to reaffirm this morning the fact that there is a rapture. And there is an eternity. And every one of us will participate in that eternity. You may, you may make heaven. You may make eternity in hell. But in all reality, you and I will go one or the other. There is no middle ground. There is no, there is no purgatory. There's no dwelling place for the dead. That's between here and there. You either go to heaven or you go to hell at the end of your lifetime. Amen. You can't say enough prayers after someone dies to rapture them from from an eternity of damnation into an eternity of bliss. You cannot do that. It's up to you and I to make sure that our lives are right and pure and holy and pleasing unto God. There is a heaven, there is a hell, and there is a rapture, there is eternity, and I'm planning on making heaven my home. Amen, amen, amen. And every generation has it's challenge. Every generation finds itself in a crossroad. Our parents' generation, they found themselves at a crossroads of time where the spiritual things were concerned. And 
generation that preceded them, every generation faces a spiritual crossroad and a spiritual crisis. Every life finds itself, every family finds itself at a crossroads of spiritual crisis. And when, when, when they arrive there, it, you, find yourself, uh, you find yourself having to navigate difficult moments and uncomfortable moments. But our generation is no different. Hence, it is very important that you and I, as we face the transitions of life and the transitions of different seasons of our life, it is absolutely a mandate that you and I make sure that we attend to the basics of our faith. The basics of our faith. It's absolutely necessary that you and I never forget that there's one Lord, there's one faith, and there's one baptism, that there's one God who is above all and through all and in us all. Is absolutely, we never forget that there is, that here, O Israel, the Lord, our God, is one Lord. Absolutely, it's a mandate that you and I attend to the basics of our faith. It's an absolute that we make sure that everybody that we can come in contact with hears the message of the new birth. We've got to tell people about baptism in Jesus' name. We've got to tell people about the infilling of the Holy Ghost. We've got to tell people about repentance and the washing and the purging of the Spirit that takes place in our lives. You and I must attend to the basics of my faith. And when we come to a relationship with Jesus Christ, it is a brand new life. It is a brand new birth. And every man, every woman, every family needs a fresh start somewhere in their lives. Nicodemus approached the Lord that by night there in John chapter 3. And as he and the Lord were talking, they were talking, Nicodemus soon learned that he must be born again. And Nicodemus uh, asked the normal questions that you and I would ask. What? How can I be born again? How can a man go back to being a baby, enter into his mother's womb, and then be born all over again? But the Lord came and answered him and says, you're not talking a physical birth, Nicodemus. And we're not, we're not talking a natural birth, but the birth that I discuss with you is the birth of water and of spirit. You must be born again. You must be born of the water and of the Spirit. And with that in mind, when you look at the, at the concept of the new birth, there is a birth of water and there is a birth of Spirit. Might I simply pause for a moment and talk about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Might I simply say, you must repent of your sins. You must tell God you're sorry. You must repent and lay it all out on the altar. That's the death that's what's represented the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You must also be buried with Him in the waters of baptism. You must go under the waters, baptized. Baptism is, comes from the Greek word baptizo, which means to be put under. And so when you're baptized, you go under the water in the name of Jesus. And when you come out of that water, it's you died when you repented. You were buried in the waters of baptism and you're resurrected out of the waters of baptism in the newness of life. And Nicodemus, Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be born of the water and of the Spirit. This is a brand new experience. This is a brand new chance. This is a rebirth. This is a new start. This makes a new man. This makes a new creature out of you, a new creation in Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 said it this way. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Oh, 
old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. Let me read that again. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. Old things, the past, the garbage, and the mess, it's all passed away. And then behold, all things become new. You know what? When you got the Holy Ghost, the old man died. The new man came to a newness of life. The new woman found a resurrection, found a resurrection of life, and become a new creature in Christ. Hence is the reason that I choose to talk today from this passage in Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse 25. I simply read it again. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a, a glorious church, not having spots, not having wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. I, I just know, I just know beyond a shadow of a doubt uh, that if you and I can live for him in the manner that he wants us to live for him, uh, it would solve, it would solve home problems. It would solve uh, crises in our marriages and crises in our children and crises in our family. The best way to live for God is to sell out uh, and, and just simply say, God, whatever it takes, I'm going to live for you and I'm going to work for you and I'm going to follow after you and, and I'm going to do whatever it takes. Amen, amen, amen. Husbands should love his wife, the scripture says, as Christ loved the church and, and gave himself for it. Uh, we live in a day when, 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 when we, are, we are so selfish and, and, and people become extremely selfish and self-centered. But the success to a great home and a great marriage is to have a leader of that home who will be a servant leader, who will lead that family in prayer, who will lead that family in submission to Jesus Christ, uh, who a dad will live for God, mom and kids can live for God a whole lot easier. Let me just tell you this morning, I'm very interested in men that want to live for God with power and with passion and with purpose. I'm very interested in men who will be the first to pray and the first to worship and the first to clap their hands and the first to be leaders around the church. You see, when, when, when you and I, when we embrace this concept that the men are the spiritual leaders, I'm not here in a chauvinistic attitude, but let me tell you something. When the head of the house is living for God, it's easier for the rest of the house to live for God. We've got sisters here who don't have husbands that are living for God. I'm telling you, when dad's doing it, it's good for everybody to do it. And the Lord gave himself. He gave himself for the church. He gave himself for you and I. And husbands should love his wife as Christ loved the church. It's for this purpose. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, 26. I read the same verse to you, but I bring it from the Amplified. I want you to read this. Uh, Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. Everything God says in his word is designed to bring the best out of the church. He's designed for the, for the saints of God to live with a confidence and a beauty and a separation and a moderation and a confidence that God's got his hands upon them. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. Amen. And so when you look at this verse in Ephesians chapter 5 and, and verse 26, uh, back in the King James, you find he says he wants to sanctify the church and cleanse the church with the washing of the water by the word. Please understand, sanctify something. When something's sanctified, it's made holy. 
It's made pure. It's set aside. It's consecrated. And it's set aside to be made holy. And it's consecrated to God. You consecrate your life to Jesus Christ. When you dedicate your babies, what you're really doing is you're consecrating your baby and you're consecrating yourself so that, Lord, I will raise this child in the nurture, the admonition of the Holy Ghost. And I consecrate myself to raising this child because this child is not my own. It's been bought with a price. It belongs to you. It's on loan to me, Lord. It's got my name and my DNA, but it's got your spirit and it's got your life in it. And so I consecrate my, my life and my family to the Lord. So something that's sanctified, it's consecrated, it's made hallowed. Something that's cleansed is something that's been purged, it's been washed, it's been, it's been purified. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 26 now says this, that he may sanctify and cleanse it, or he may consecrate, and he may, and, and he may consecrate and cleanse and purify and wash the church with a washing of the water by the word. The washing of the water by the word is very exciting because the word of God is alive. The word of God is powerful. It cleanses. It gives light. It washes. It sets free. It rejuvenates. There's life in the Word. For Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the Word of God is quick. The Word of God is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing of sunder of soul and of spirit and of the joints and the marrow and is discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Let me tell you something. This Word of God is alive. And I know on a Sunday morning coming off of a holiday weekend, we may have a little bit of the, of the, of the drunkenness of, 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 the, of the holiday spirit. But let me re- simply remind you, this word is powerful. This word is life-changing. This word is transforming. This word brings life. This word brings hope. This word brings healing. This word can cut and divide. This word can fix. This word can heal. This word can transform. Hallelujah. I read that same passage to you from the message right now, Hebrews chapter 4 and 12. God means what he says, and what he says goes. His powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open to listen and obey. Nothing and no one is impervious to God's word. We can't get away from it no matter what. No matter where you go or what you try to do, you cannot escape the word of God. It'll go to heaven with you. If you go to hell, it'll still be echoed in your mind and your spirit in hell. I'm telling you, the word of God is alive and well and it goes everywhere and is without friend and without favor and the word of God is important to every one of us. You cannot get away from in it. And that's the reason Ephesus chapter 5 and verse 27 becomes illuminated to me this morning. Because uh, when you look at this 27th verse of of Ephesians chapter 5, uh, we find this portion of scripture that has become very bright to me during the course of this week. And the Lord dealt with me about this verse for several days, uh, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot, not having wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. The Lord wants to present the church, 
The Lord wants to present to himself the church. You have to understand something. We realize that there is three dimensions of this one God. We realize he was the father in creation. He was a son in manifestation. And now we see him in the spirit in emanation. He was the, he was the God of the Old Testament. He was Jesus in the New Testament. And he's the Holy Ghost in our lives today. And Almighty God wants to present the bride to himself. He wants to present the church to himself. It's holy without spot, nor with wrinkle, nor any such thing that it can be holy without blemish. And when the Holy Ghost moves inside of you please understand something you became the church turn and tell somebody I am the church I didn't say I'm as big as a church I am the church what know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost Don't you know when the Spirit of God moved inside of you and you became a dwelling place for the Spirit of the Almighty, you became a tabernacle of the Holy Ghost. And that's the reason you can say with confidence, I am the church. I am in Christ and Christ is in me. And when He is in me, I am the church and He dwells inside of me. I am the dwelling place of the Spirit of the Almighty God. Used to, I was filled with habit and habit and failure dwelled in me. But I was washed and I was cleansed and I was purged and the Holy Ghost moved in and what used to dwell inside of me dwells there no more and the power of the living God the spirit of the almighty dwells within me today I have been filled with the spirit you've been washed with the spirit you are the temple you're the sanctuary you're the dwelling place of the Holy Ghost what verse Corinthians 6 and 19 know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you and which you have of God and which you were not your own I read the same thing from the message or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place the place of the Holy Spirit don't you see that you can't live however you please squandering what God paid such a high price for the physical part of you is not some place of prop some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you what know ye not that your body is a dwelling place of the Holy Ghost you know people I just want you to have a confidence. When you walk out of here this morning, walk out of here with a confidence that I am in Christ and Christ is in me. And the rest of the world, uh, you know, I may not fit the rest of the world, but the rest of the world can fit me. Why, why is that? It's because when I've got Christ in me, Jesus Christ can fit everything. He can fit every equation, every situation, every family, every problem, every hurt. And if I have him, I become a valuable commodity to my coworkers. I become a valuable commodity to my neighborhood. I become a valuable commodity to, to, my, to my church and to my city because now I'm walking around and the Holy Ghost lives in me and I am a living, breathing tabernacle and temple of the Holy Ghost and I can be a part of transforming somebody life amen Ephesians chapter 5 and 27 that he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot nor wrinkle nor any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish now I've just finished my introduction let me give you about five minutes of sermon three things I've come to talk about this morning spots wrinkles and any such thing the Lord wants to present to himself a glorious church a church that doesn't have spots 
A spot is something that got on the garment. You know, the older I get, the more spots I wear. That's supposed to be funny. But you get a spot on the garment because something fell on it. You dropped something. You made a mistake or you rubbed up against something. So there's a spot on the garment. The Lord wants church that doesn't have spots. And so if something gets spotted, I think it's quite simple to make the connection that a spot on the garment is a sin issue. So it's something that's got to be cleaned off. And so we've got to go back to the Word and back to repentance and get ourselves washed and cleansed and repent of our sins all over again. And so when something's got the spot, and, 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 and we, we like the idea of, of getting spots off, but, but have you ever, you ever been in public and you decide, I've dropped something and I've got to get the spot off? And so you get your wife's purse, you drag out the Tide pin, and you try to get the spot. It never really works very good. Is there a witness in the house? It just kind of makes a bigger mess than you started out with, kind of blends it in, kind of hides the spot till you get home and get to the dry cleaners. Is there a witness on that? Just make a mess of things. I, I want to suggest today that we should live a life that's without spot or without sin. We should live a life that, that, that when something happens in life and we rub up against life or we have a, something, an event that takes place and that we get spotted with the marks of life, we should do everything in our power to get rid of the spots. We should do everything in our power. And, and if a tide pin doesn't do it, we may, have to, we may have to take the garment off and give it a good plunging and a good soaking and a good put it in the washing machine or take it down to the dry cleaners. But, but it's going to have to go through a process of being cleansed so the spots can be gone. And God wants a church that doesn't have spots. Somebody willing to clean the spot or somebody willing to take the spot and put it under the water a few times to get it washed and cleansed or, or have the washing of the water of the word to cleanse and purify it. Amen. God wants a church without spots. That's the reason we have to repent of our sins. Repentance says, I'm sorry. Repentance is the process of getting the spots washed off of our life. The, uh, the, the baptism in Jesus' name is a process of having those spots rinsed and washed off of our spirits, our souls, and our physical man. And then, of course, the infilling of the Holy Ghost is such a vital part of that. God wants a church that doesn't have spots. God also wants a church that doesn't have wrinkles. Wrinkles in clothing is an interesting thing. You know, something... Now, you've never done this, I know. But your brother-in-law has done this. You know, you kind of took the garment off. And you threw it over on the chair or over on the floor. And you got up the next day and needed it. So you just kind of grabbed it. I know you didn't do this, but you've seen somebody do this. They just shook it off. But you can't shake off some stuff. I mean, you got a wrinkled garment. You're going to have to go to the ironing board and iron that thing. You know, and here's what we do. When we have wrinkled garments and garments that are not fresh, we tend to want to just press them up and make them look good so everybody will think they're fresh, but they're not fresh. 
Because if you think that garment got thrown over on, in the corner overnight and you wore it yesterday and you're wearing it again today, there may not be a visible spot, but I promise you, there's, there's some DNA of you on that garment. And you make it iron the wrinkle out and make it look good, but you didn't get rid of all the smell. You're on that garment. And we live in a day when people say, if I could just, if I could just get the wrinkles ironed out, everybody will think everything's great in my life. God is wanting a church that's without spot and has no wrinkles. Not a church that's, that's just endeavoring to, endeavoring to make everybody look like it's all right. But rather, he's looking for a people that are without spot and they're without wrinkle. And, and they are also, they don't have any such things. You see... We understand pretty easy the, the spots and the wrinkles part of this little simple discussion. Uh, you know, we, a matter of fact, before you just iron something off and work to church next week, I promise you, you won't, you're going to remember. I'm not just going to iron it out and wear it again. I need, to, I need to get the world off of it. But there's this concept of no spots and no wrinkles or any such thing that grabs my mind this week. Because... There's some things in life and spirit living that are just a bit too nebulous to define. I mean, we, we can, bless God, we can identify spots in sin. We can identify that. And, and we, we, can, we can also, we also can, we can also look and see somebody showed up in the same garment they had yesterday, but it looks pretty fresh, so you can tell they got rid of the wrinkles. It's not just wadded up. So we, we can relate to those things. But not having spots, nor wrinkles, nor any such things. This little phrase captivates my spirit this morning. Because if it was just a spot of sin, we could identify it. If it was wrinkles that were taken care of, then, then, then we understand. But any such thing. If it looks like a spot or acts like a spot or could create a spot if it pertains to a spot if it's really not a spot but it could be a spot if we're not careful you see when you come to living for God there comes an ethic of living an integrity of living that's so mandatory that's the reason we should live the same lifestyle on Sunday that we do on Tuesday because there's an integrity of lifestyle and, and the things that the things that we ha, uh, the manner that we the conversations of life and the manner that we live during the course of the week it should be the same manifestation when we arrive at the house of God. I mean, when we get all cleaned up for Jesus, but Jesus saw us messed up yesterday. And we're not talking the, just the physical spots now, but rather the spiritual things. Not having spots, nor wrinkles, nor any such thing. Things that are just. You really can't define some things as right or wrong. Here's the deal. Some things in life are absolutely wrong. And some things are between you and God. And you really can't define the rightness or the wrongness. But you know. And God knows. God knows. And when you look at the integrity of your walk with God... When you look at the integrity of that walk, you know if it's a spot that you've just blotted over and gotten hidden. 
You know it's a wrinkle that you just ironed it out to make it look good. But you also know if it's any such thing. You're standing there. You, we could stand there looking so happy and so great. And, and people said, oh, what a nice outfit. Man, you look so good today. And you're sitting there while they're bragging on how good you look. You're thinking, oh, yeah. But I had three spots from my supper last night I had to get off. And, 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 and I, had to, I had to get some wrinkles. I had to steam it. And I had to do all this stuff. And it's really not what it looks like. Any such thing. There are some things in your walk with God that you can never be handed a list of rules for. I can't, I can't, as a pastor, can never offer you a long enough list of def, definitive standards of the church to make everybody be holy, holy, holy. And somewhere there's got to be this conviction that is a, a bird inside of us to where that we understand what spots are, we understand what wrinkles are, but also we live in the areas that we understand the concept that there are some such things that we're careful about. Any such This is something that really jumps alive in my spirit. It's something that it might not be a spot, but could it lead me to having spots one day? This is where we really have to look at this concept. It it might not, it may not wrinkle me up now, but one day is this going to contribute to my process of being wrinkled when the master looks my direction? Is there a hidden issue in my character? Is there, a, is there something deep down that nobody knows, and I've got it, I've got it, I've just got it, I've got, I've got my thumb on it, and I'm just, I'm just keeping it from destroying me. It's a secret sin way, way down that nobody could possibly see any such thing. Hidden. My personal lifestyle of integrity Am I living by integrity or am I living by the facade? Any such thing. It's like Ananias and Sapphira. That time and that season in the church when people were, were taking and selling their homes and selling out and giving everything to the church. Ananias and Sapphira, they showed up at church one weekend and they decided we're going to do what everybody else is doing. And so what did they do? They sold their house, but they kept back a portion. They withheld a portion. But they went in and, and nothing wrong with holding back that portion. There was nothing that said you had to sell your whole house and, and give it all to the church. Nothing at all required like that in any way. But they wanted to create the aura that they were doing that. So they came, they held back a portion, but they insinuated to the church. They insinuated to God, we brought it all. You know, there's nothing that says that you can't hold back a bit. But when we come in and we create this aura, we did everything, we held nothing back, we gave it our best, but we held something back. That's an any such thing moment. That, that's, it's, I, can't, I can't call what they did a sin. But what I can say, God didn't like it. And God knew. That's the thing we've got to realize when it comes to integrity in our character. God knows. God knows. You see, it's not just a spot. It's not just a wrinkle. But could this thing that I'm dealing with cause me to be lost? And that brings me full circle. That brings me full circle to the fact that there is a heaven and there's a hell. And there's an eternity. And if I allow some things to live in my life, I am not 
going to make heaven. And some of those things, I mean, it's, it's the things that you can't see and I can't see that are down there that we've got to deal with and we have to be honest and we've got to be people of integrity and righteousness. We can't just claim holiness on Sunday and not embrace the same lifestyle all week. Amen. See, this personal integrity is something that's so very important. What could this spot or wrinkle lead to? That's what is extremely concerning to me. It's a passage I want to share with you, and I'm about finished. It's 11.02. The story of Ananias and Sapphira, excuse me, the story of Mary and Martha when Lazarus died. You remember the story how that Lazarus was dead, was in the grave, and Mary and Martha were both very upset that Jesus wasn't there. And they went to a lot of trouble to get Jesus there. And it was, it was deep in their spirits that they, that they get Jesus there. And when Jesus finally arrived, I simply want to point out one thing. They were both upset, and they were both grieving. There was a lot going on. But both of them, when Jesus finally arrived, found a way to get some one-on-one personal time with Jesus. Martha came and was fussing about stuff, and Mary came and was weeping about stuff. But the bottom line was both girls had to come face to face and have a personal talk with the master so they could deal with that unresolved issue of not understanding why what was going on in their lives with their brother. And there comes a point every one of us has got to get face to face with Jesus Christ. And we've got to resolve some issues that we don't understand. You see, it's any such things that cause us to be lost. It's any such thing, some of those things that can cause resentment to rise up or bitterness to rise up or angst or anger to rise up. And before long, it's not just a little misunderstanding, but the misunderstanding has turned into full-blown bitterness. And now there's feelings and hurt and hate and all this mess going on. I'm telling you right now, any such things can cause problems in your life. And there's no way I can describe them all because I can take the shotgun of situation and I can fire it over your head and all of us will get a pepper spray of some definition of circumstance that I share with you this morning. But the bottom line is only you and God know the any such things in your own life. Did you see something? Did you you hear something? Did you respond to something? Only you know. Only you know the character issues that you've got to deal with. I want you to stand with me. Sure is quiet for this Sunday morning. What kind of issues have you been dealing with? Are you trying to fix things? I've come this morning with a simple word. He wants a church that's without spot, that's without wrinkle, and that's without any such thing. It might not quite be a spot. It might not quite be a wrinkle. But God's looking for a church that doesn't have close to spots or nearly about wrinkles. That's what he's looking for in my life. Master, right now in this room,
from the front to the back, Lord, that you know whom and what we discussed today. Lord, I thank you for the witness of the Holy Ghost that we feel. I thank you, Lord, for the purity of the spirit that's in the sanctuary, but God, to God. I've come this morning, Lord, with simply, simply following after your presence. We don't want spots. We don't want wrinkles. And Lord, we don't want anything in our lives that would, that would lead us to spots and wrinkles. No such things. Would you have your way in this church? Would you have your way in this body, Lord? Would you have your way in this congregation, Jesus? Would you move in this room, Lord, and deal with the spots and the wrinkles?